it was it was such a messed up day like from i was having like a good day right i got some notifications right oh your new baseball gloves they're shipping they'll be here at the end of the week i'm like okay sweet trophy smack they let me know they're like hey by the way uh your championship belt Boom, that shipped. By the way, championship belt is going to be giveawayable at 500 subs. As we said, it's now on its way. All this stuff, having a fantastic day. And then I said, I, I got this little inkling. Something's going to go wrong. Too many good things uh, happening in our personal lives. And, you know, too many good things are lining up all at once. And what happened? What happened? What, what happened? They placed the non-exclusive franchise fucking tag. On their franchise fucking quarterback. Like, I know this is the bonus, and like we try not to go like heavy, heavy, heavy into it. Well, but I'm sorry. Today. Like, I'm gonna apologize now. Okay. I probably blew some people's eardrums out. So I'm gonna bring it back down so the ringing in your ear can pause for a second. But Jesus fucking what is happening at no time. Uh, Jacob, would you and I ever sat down and we thought, you know what's going to happen? The year Greg Roman gets fired or, or they part ways, right? And we yeah. rejoice collectively. We're like, awesome. Right. The Ravens are going to be able to move on and things are going to look brighter for Lamar Jackson and fantasy. And then all of a sudden there's a little a couple of things. Okay, well, why is he hurt and why can't he make it back? Then the report comes out that they're apparently the worst fucking franchise in the world for their facilities and their training. Okay, that's bad. So then it starts to realize, okay, I understand maybe why he didn't make it back, didn't want to make it back, etc. There's no way it can get worse, right? Well, then we get Derek Carr. Derek Carr signed a new contract. Great for him. Oh, and then, well, Gino announces that he has a new three-year, $100 million contract. Team-friendly, by the way. We're going to get more into that in the main portion of the show. And then Daniel fucking Jones, White Lamar, Vanilla Vic, whatever you want to call him, gets $40 million a season, and Lamar Jackson was without a contract. In what world, Jacob, did you think that Derek Carr, Geno Smith, and Daniel Jones would have their second contracts, or third contracts even, uh, before Lamar fucking Jackson? In this world, um, yeah. in the world that we live in with uh, a bunch of self-interested billionaires who ask for taxpayers to pay for their stadiums and refuse to allow uh, the same conditions that apply in any major American sports league, uh, which is guaranteed contracts to apply in yeah. the one that has the highest risk of injury and that creates the most gross revenue, uh, the one where owners have decided at this point, clearly, clearly, in my opinion, to take a stand that they are not going to allow, you know, the rabble from their perspective to get uppity and get the contracts that justly pay them for their labor. Because frankly, we are seeing poor quarterbacks getting the type of value, or I won't even say poor, quarterbacks who do not have a chance to win the Super Bowl for you at the amount that they are being paid, be essentially compensated in line with what their market value is, right? Yeah. We can quibble with that. We can say, okay, um, you know, these teams don't really know what they're doing, but the market forces have decided that that's what Daniel Jones and Derek Carr and Geno Smith, et cetera, are worth. And the logical next extension of those market forces is that, well, if these guys are worth that, 
what are the guys who are your automatic entry into Super Bowl contention every year worth? Yep. And it's a shitload, right? And okay, we'll pay the dollar amount, right? What's the fear? Is the guarantee? The guarantee fear is not, despite what any reporter will gaslight you into believing, an actual football fear. If the actual goal is winning the Super Bowl, the guarantee is frankly irrelevant. The most difficult number that has the worst ramification on trying to actually construct a Super Bowl winning football team is the average annual value, not the guarantee, yes. right? You get up to $70 million in average annual value. Yeah, it's really hard to build a roster around a quarterback, no matter how elite they are, under the salary cap. That's absolutely true. The guarantee is simply owners being terrified to pay out the money. If you think about it, Lamar Jackson gets five years fully guaranteed. What would actually need to happen for at any point them to not want Lamar Jackson to be on the team? Like it would have to be something unforeseeable where he's he gets injured for a full season, he tears ACL. What, they would cut him if they could? Unlikely. Like it would have to be something truly, truly remarkable. And that's what they're protecting against is their financial downside. The actual chance that that happens from a football perspective is so low that deciding to simply not pay that and choose life without a franchise quarterback is clearly not desirable over doing over offering that guarantee from a football perspective. It's purely financial. It's about precedent setting. And that's why, of course, you're seeing all of these owners coming out as a chorus. No, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. Oh, they're not even going to contact them. They're not even going to say, oh, we'll sit down with them and see what he wants to say. They're not just going to say nothing. They're getting yeah. out ahead. What? To protect Sam Howell's feelings? To protect Desmond Ritter's feelings? Give me a break, right? They're in the group text with Steve. And he's saying, yeah, here's what Lamar's asking. We're not going to take it. And it's the same thing that we see in everyday life, right? And let's we yes. should call it out. NFL media types who are running interference for owners and talking about the quarterback market being out of whack, whatever, should call it out. They should be honest about the fact that we don't have to have franchise tags and salary caps. That these are owner inventions to artificially change the economy of players being accurately compensated for their labor and their worth. But they're not having that conversation. Instead, it's about, oh, these owners, like these poor owners, you know, they can't be paying these contracts out of whack. Um, it's bullshit. And it should be called out as bullshit. Uh, there's actually a philosopher from Princeton who talks about bullshit and it's actually something with a legitimate value. It's not just a term. It's people who lie, have a relationship with the truth that is oppositional. And people who speak the truth, of course, value the truth in a different way. But bullshit is actually not opposition to the truth. It's disdain for the truth. It's simply opting out of the truth. And that's what you're seeing out of these tweets from the Albert Breers and these other people yes, who are trying to run for owners talking about Jared Stidham. It is bullshit. It is literally the exact meaning of bullshit. It is a disdain for the truth. And, and I, and I think that it's our duty. Whoa. Um, uh, to call that up. So that's, uh, that's my rant. Yeah, man. I, I saw your, I saw your breed stuff earlier and I was like, Oh man, we're going to have to touch on that. Like that. It's, it's kind of, it, it's so clear to me that it is, it's colluding. Like there's no, like if, if you were to just to say it, I think Haslam pissed everyone off with the Watson contract. And yeah, I think he wanted to make a point. And even he's out there talking about how he, he's, I'm open to renegotiating my contract. Yeah, I bet. Like it, it's, it's kind of insane to me that we're getting these clear mid to below mid quarterbacks. I don't even know if I would call Daniel Jones necessarily a mid tier NFL quarterback. I think 
them the Giants making the playoffs and winning a playoff game is gonna set that franchise back years with this contract. And yes, that's that, not even talking yeah. about it's a terrible contract. And that's not even talking about Saquon Barkley getting tagged as well. They just invested how much money into um that um that franchise, that offense, and for what? It's it's oh, crazy. It's, right. Which that lifts the veil, right? Like if if the actual goal is maximization of winning a Super Bowl, like you don't you don't allocate forty million dollars of your cat to Daniel Jones, right? That's that's not likely to result in success, right? I mean, it's it's a tough spot. I get it. There's moral hazard to this. I think it's hard to, you know, walk to a. It's it's hard to go to a group of men in a locker room and say like Daniel Jones did pretty much anything we could have reasonably expected out of him last year, and now we're just going to let him walk. Like that's hard to do. I get why teams do it. I understand it, but you know, if we're going to be cold-hearted about that it doesn't help them win a Super Bowl, right? And, you know, I think maybe that's a little bit on us. And we talk about it as a bad contract. It's like a bad contract for what, right? It's a bad contract in terms of the ability to win a Super Bowl. It's a good contract for Daniel Jones. He's being um, he's being rewarded for his play. And that's what the market has determined his play is worth. But, yeah. you know, when you see contracts like that, and then you see what's happening with Lamar Jackson, and you see people trying to frame it in terms of a football-based reason, it's just not it's just not tenable. It's not tenable. There's a football success Super Bowl based reason for paying Derek Carr guaranteed $70 million, Daniel Jones guaranteed $82 million, but we won't fully guarantee Lamar Jackson. That's not a odds of winning the Super Bowl based reason that is reasonable. It's, it's, it's insane to me and it's, it's clear. And I get that. And I, I don't know if, Lamar Jackson is trying to do this as I think martyr is kind of the wrong, probably the wrong word, but I'm wondering if he's trying to do like a levy on bell style situation that hasn't it's unprecedented where a quarterback, I mean, how many contracts get signed by a player representing themselves? I mean, it's happened a couple of times. I think Trent Williams did it. I know there was a linebacker whose name escapes me right now who has done it. Uh, And then levy on bell also did it. Uh, I wonder if Lamar Jackson's just trying to prove that, like prove that there's a tremendous issue with contracts as it stands. Cause there's no way somebody looks at uh, Daniel Jones and gives him what is tied for the sixth most valuable contract in the NFL right now, not just amongst quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones is tied with Matthew Stafford and Dak Prescott as the highest paid players in the league right now. It's not on an average. That's total fucking value. And then you look at Lamar Jackson and go, he's just not worth it. There's, there's no way like it's, it's like you said, it's clear and obvious. And I love the link that you posted. Uh, I I went and checked it to make sure like we weren't hacked or something, but it's, it's quite clear. And I just, when I post stuff, I show up as Tom. Yeah. That's, yeah it's it's just funny yeah i love that but hey that's a nice little bonus obviously we didn't talk a lot about fantasy implications and things like that i just feel like we had to get some stuff off our chest about this uh we're gonna get into the fantasy implication we got some questions and comments in the comment section first off happy to be back oh my god uh we took a little bit of while off my scheduling was just off and weird uh but we're here we're back and we're ready to ride so i think uh we 
we we kick into the regular program, get some fantasy uh, news going. Welcome in. We're back. It's happening. This is the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast Network. This is the flagship program, the one that started it all, the one that isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Well, hopefully none of them are. But I, of course, your host with his time in his hands, I am Thomas Tipple FF. Joining me, as always, is Mr. New Substack himself, uh, Jacob Sanderson. If you haven't subscribed, go and do that. Uh, lots of stuff has happened, Jacob, since uh, we've taken our break. We needed that break, and you and I were a lot a, a lot the same, if you would, where we just feel like piling more stuff onto our plate uh, in our in our breaks and in our time off. But our show on Tuesdays does kind of write the shows for us, especially on days like today, where we get just piece of news after piece of news after piece of news. It is just not. I think I changed this sheet that I wrote down, I think, six times this afternoon. It's <laughs> insane. So I know I know the description says NFL combine plus free agency. I mean, the combine stuff, I don't even know how much of that we're going to get to today. This is insane. And obviously, if you want a more in-depth conversation about uh, Jacob's immediate combine, they did uh, record their last bulletproof, uh, Sweat and Bullets. Uh, that will go out sometime, I think, this week. Uh, you'll let the people know. But if you want a more in-depth, real thorough combine conversation, him and Drew will definitely be providing that for you. We're going to get to as much as we can this week. So I'm going to leave it on to you. I know we talked a little bit about Lamar Jackson. But where would you, Jacob, like to start with today's uh, today's business? Yeah, well, we talked about the quarterback contracts already, so why don't we why don't we just do like a little quick little roundup on you know the non Lamar Jackson okay. signings, re-signings, whatever. I don't know. Pick one that you that you want to talk about. We have Carr, we I have will. Gino, we have Daniel Jones, we have Pollard, um, Pollard, Jacobs, oh. Barkley, tagged, Gino, Jones, and. Uh, car, I'll get contracts. Was probably the the big six with fantasy implications. Why don't you pick one Correct. that you want to talk about from All a right. fantasy angle? I'm 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 glad I get to. I'm going to talk about Derek Carr not only because he is my only healthy quarterback in the league of record right now. Uh, I think that there are more fantasy implications on that team. I know the focus was on Chris Olave today, uh, and Kyle. I do uh, I I do see your question. We will answer that. Also, shout out TD. Brock, everyone who's in, who's in the chat today, much love to y'all. I want to start with Derek Carr, and I'll and I'll say why. So Derek Carr obviously uses his tight end. We've seen career years from Darren Waller in Derek Carr's time with Vegas with multiple coaches. Um, aside from Chris Olave, who I think is obvious, I think that the rundown is going to come from this for. Michael Thomas, I think he's out. I think he's released. The contract that he signed, he is a clear cap hit. I think MT is gone. I like Jawan Johnson moving forward. Uh, I know Taysom Hill is still going to be around, but Jawan Johnson last year 
shined in a couple of games. He is a size speed athlete at the tight end position, a position I don't expect the saints to invest in with everything else that they need. Um, so I think Juwan Johnson might be the biggest winner. Cause I think we already knew Olave is, I think Olave was going to be goaded no matter what, but I think Juwan Johnson to me is the biggest winner out of this and whoever the pass catching running back is. Cause the hope was, that the Saints would get a quarterback that would check it down often again. And Derek Carr is captain check down. So we love that. Yeah. Whether it's Kamara off suspension, whatever that snare is going to be, whoever the pass catcher is going to be. And I think this is good news for Shahid as well. So what takes do you have? And I kind of want to go outside of Olave because I think we know what Olave is going to be. He's just an elite player. Uh, what are your immediate fantasy implications for Carr in New Orleans? Yeah, I mean, I think – so Derek's talking about this, and, and I think it's really interesting. He's talking about choosing Carr over Dalton was a bad move. Um, and I, like, agree to to some extent and yes. maybe disagree to some other extent. Uh, so, first of all, I definitely agree just from the standpoint of, like, you know, there's two ways to win in the NFL, and it's with elite quarterbacks or cheap quarterbacks, and Derek Carr is neither. So it's it's tough. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll talk about the Geno thing in a second maybe and, and why I think that's a little bit different. But – so yeah, Dalton provided really strong play. I think that the expectation was like Andy Dalton was a lot better last year, A, than people think, but B, than he had been with Chicago and with Dallas the previous two years. So like, I don't think that it would have been super reasonable to expect 2022 Andy Dalton to play at the level that he was going forward. You know, I don't know. I don't think that he just got better overnight at like 33 years old or whatever it is. So I have a higher expectation for Carr this year versus Dalton this year, but I wouldn't necessarily expect Carr to play that much better this year than Dalton did last year. If that makes sense to anybody, that was yep. like probably the, a confusing way of putting it. <laughs> Any, I, do think, I do think it's good for Olave in the sense that it's just like stability, right? I mean, you never know what you're going to get, but Carr has proven the ability to support fantasy wide receivers. Cooper has been a wide receiver one. Crabtree has been, uh, I'm not sure if he ever hit wide receiver one, but he either did or he was really close. Um, Waller's had elite tight end seasons. Adams just the wide receiver. He made three. Hunter Renfro relevant too. Like like right, even Renfro, less, yeah. even so lesser can, players. He can he can produce for sure for fantasy, and he's a guy that you know is tended to lock on to his better players in an offense. He supported really condensed offenses. It's usually we've never really seen Carr be that guy where everybody's getting a twenty percent target share. Right, it's usually been one to two to three guys who are receiving the bulk of the offense. And that's really fun for fantasy. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've drafted Chris Olave in like a hundred, not like I have drafted Chris Olave in 100% of the startups that I've done this off season. Um, I think that he's been really, really inefficiently priced in dynasty. I think that him and London uh, <laughs> are unnecessarily cheaper than Garrett Wilson. All of them have had these quarterback questions. And I think that, you know, so far they're resolving pretty favorably. So excited for Olave. We'll see what they do with Jawan Johnson. Uh, I I agree that Michael Thomas is not going to be back. You know, it, it'll be a, a fine enough fantasy offense. I'm not really sure what New Orleans mm-hmm. Saints are trying to achieve from an NFL perspective, but it'll be a, a totally viable fantasy offense. Hopefully they finally stop with like the Taysom Hill shenanigans, right? Like you think if you're, you know, Sean Payton's no longer there. They have a real quarterback now that they've paid a lot of money to. Like, can we just stop with that? Right. That's, that's the big thing I'd like to see. 
Taysom Hill is the 2023 New Orleans Saints RB1 at this point. I mean, realistically, like that's that's kind of, I don't know, we'll see what happens with Kamara, but he might get a new player designation that sets Twitter ablaze. Um, <laughs> okay, that, I, I like that. I want to talk about Daniel Jones real quick because uh, I think that this offense just stays the same. I think what you expected and what you got in 2022 is kind of what you're going to get in 2023 where Barkley is goaded. Uh, and insert whatever wide receiver it like hopefully Wandale comes back and he's you know very good but it was kind of a a weird time of the year for him to blow his knee out unfortunately so who knows I want to get your New York Giants takes because this Ooh. offense is still very barren it needs a lot of work and they just kneecapped themselves bad on improving this offense in an already kind of weak offensive free agent class. This is going to have to be done all through the draft at this point. What do you see from the giants in 2023? Cause for me, I'm going to tell you is bleak. It's bleak. Yeah. I mean the Daniel Jones thing, I have long been like a Daniel Jones defender. I think he's been underrated in the past. I mean, I think he's a competent NFL quarterback. Like he's the exact mm. kind of guy where Daniel Jones on a rookie deal is a guy that you can build a viable team around. Absolutely. Like he provides a rushing floor for an offense. He can, you know, we saw Dable use him really intelligently last year. His ADOT dropped all the way down to 6.4. He was able to avoid turnovers effectively. He was able to create opportunities for his offense through the run game, make things easier for his receivers by what he was able to do on the ground in the read option game. Problem is like, we have never seen him take that next step. He was still under seven yards per attempt last year. I understand that he didn't have weapons. We're talking about a guy who was a very average college quarterback who is now has four years in the NFL and has been a below average to average quarterback um, through all of those from an efficiency standpoint, from, you know, a quality of play grading standpoint from PFF. Like we've never seen him be more than, you know, either slightly below or, or right about average. And you can't have that, you know, for $40 million a year. I think that's going to be fine for fantasy. He's a viable quarterback, similar to like Derek Carr. Good opportunities for people in that offense. I think it's a friendly system. I just would have preferred, like what I would have done if I was the Giants. And, you know, I don't think NFL teams are ever going to do this. There's moral hazard attached. But like, what I think would have been so fun is just, if they would have taken the goodwill that they had from this previous season and some of that job security and said, you know what? I believe that we are smart, intelligent offensive designers Instead of paying full fright for Daniel Jones, we are going to draft three day three quarterbacks. We're going to draft Hendon Hooker. <laughs> we're going to draft Max Duggan. And we're going to draft Jaron Hall or Malik Cunningham. Pick your three, any three. And we're going to do it like in college. We're going to get them in here in the summer. We're going to figure out, okay, this guy sucks. These other two have we're a chance. Draft, and we're going to figure out who's, who's decent. Like anyone who's mobile, right? I mean, we're going to try and really press the edge of that of, of that mobility floor that Daniel Jones gave the offense. And we're going to see what we can do with that. And we're going to spend up to surround him with talent. You know, that's, that would have been how I would have handled this off season, honestly. Um, but that's obviously not what they chose to do. And, and we'll see how it works out. I'm happy for Daniel Jones. I mean, I always want to be celebrating the players who are able to earn the contracts. I think that that gets overlooked uh, with the way that, that we frame everything from a, a team perspective. So good for Daniel Jones. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not what I would have done, but it'll be, you know, interesting enough for fantasy. Let me ask you this. Would you have tagged Jones and signed Barkley to a three or four year deal instead? Because no, that would have saved them overall if I like. 
I, I would have straight up let Daniel Jones walk. I, I just wouldn't have straight up, back. just not even bring him back at all. Okay. I understand yeah, I, why I an NFL team would bring him back, but oh, I understand it too. Yeah, I just think it's better. I think it's just bad. Uh, okay, we got the questions and comments in the chat. We're gonna get caught up here, uh, just for you guys. Uh, Brock is saying it's a perfect time to sell Daniel Jones, just traded him for a 24 1. I yeah, mean, you've been waging, war. I think you've been waging war on the Daniel Jones rising ADP in the bulletproof discord, just yeah, relentlessly. It's getting insane in the fifth and sixth round. I think we're getting a little crazy. Uh, he said he's a rebuilder. He's looking to tank for Williams or May. I think that's the right call. We have Kyle here with a question. Uh, what would you do on a team where you already have Mahomes and Watson and an elite tight end? This is the Jacob Sanderson copy and paste build uh, and an elite tight end and Justin oh, Jefferson nice. but Kyler wow. on the bench. Uh, yeah, you count imagine. your money, I guess? Yeah, exactly. Buy, buy a lottery ticket. Uh, on the bench, would you move for CD or Bijan and try to win this year or hold for value increase? Well, you're definitely, yeah, I mean, you definitely want to be. I mean, you have, if you have Kyler, Watson, Mahomes, and I forget who else he said, Jefferson, somebody else. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's no excuse to not be fielding a team that is competing this year. You have to mobilize that value somehow. I think that holding a third elite tight end is just holding value unnecessarily, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, what you want to be doing for sure, what you want to be doing is, is yeah, converting that into another elite asset, right? So Bijan is, is a good choice. CD Lamb is a good choice. Yeah, I mean, you want to be maximizing the, the roster that you have when you have that much value. Exactly. Especially if you can get another a high-end elite piece. Like, that's optimal, right? That's optimal roster building. Uh, Derek, Derek Brown in the chat. Now the pivot is to go out and get London or Christian Watson Plus for Alave if you do move him. I think that's interesting. We have the smoke show. I can't repeat that. Uh, sell Daniel Jones by Brock doubling down. Uh, we love that. Uh, Derek states Dabble was willing to open it up uh, late last year. Add in Addison or another wide receiver with Wandale and Hodgins, and we can see them throw more. Uh, I think that's also true, but I still just don't know if I trust Daniel Jones outside of his rushing floor. I think I just think he's he is what he is. I think this year might have been. An apparition, maybe. I don't know. Daniel Jones completed 20 crossing routes against the Vikings and is now being overrated by people. Brock going in on Daniel Jones. We have a trade question from Kyle. Diggs and Traylon or Devontae and Christian Watson? I feel like this is a Jacob Sanderson question with Christian Watson. Um, Diggs or Traylon? Yeah, I would go with the Watson side personally. I like Watson a little bit more than Traylon. I don't have a particularly strong feeling about Devonte versus Diggs, um, but I don't know. This is kind of like a coin flip situation. Like you get, mm. you, both of them have like a young wide receiver in the same tier and a veteran wide receiver in the same tier. If someone says I feel better about Diggs because he has Josh Allen, I, I'm not going to really argue with you. Agreed. Uh, I'm taking the Diggs trailing side. I prefer trailing over Watson, but I think that's something that you and I will just disagree on for a while. And uh, Derek says Diggs side. And we have the smoke show for what it's worth. Uh, he agrees with Debro. Brock, again, I wouldn't hate the 40 mil a year for for less years. Uh, not a big fan of the four. I just think Daniel Jones. Brock, you and Daniel Jones, you guys have just got to work your stuff out, I think. What is an acceptable price for the rookie 101? I have, I have two, and I'm only keeping one. Uh, we have a video posted on the channel on what to do with the rookie 101. Uh, you can go and check that out. We won't have time to get with that today. Uh, you can go and check that out. It should be pinned at the top of the page. Uh, 
everything there still applies. Basically, short form, too long, didn't read. Uh, if you're not getting a top 10 quarterback and or one of the top two or three wide receivers slash Mark Andrews plus uh, draft Bijan. I think that that I think that's uh, generally it. All right. We want to talk about Gino. Uh, yeah, Gino Smith is I am. I am excited about this. I think that uh, to kick off Gino Smith's run, like when he got hot, you and I both said on this program, uh, sell like we said sell him get that value return back now he gets the contract uh we also said later in the year to buy in case this did happen we have been buying seventh round um seventh round geno smith all off season now how do you think his new contract which is very team friendly i might add at three years a hundred schmilly plus uh what do you think his fantasy implications are moving forward. He tailed off at the end of the year last year, kind of came a little bit back down to earth, but the fantasy options in Seattle were all viable, all good uh, towards the end of the year. Where are you resting on Geno Smith? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know where his value will end up after this contract. To me, it's it's good, but it was just kind of expected. Um, yeah, I, I think he's a strong play. I, I think it, I'm not really sure why he – like every year – you know, the quarterbacks that go like round five oh, to 12, whatever, are more or less the same. And we just kind of order them around based on whoever had the best, most recent season. And, mm. you know, I, I think that, frankly, if there's any one of these guys that should be the one who's leading off this tier, that's probably, to me, it should be Gino. He's the guy that has, you know, a little bit of mobility. He has weapons. He's coming off a really high-end year. We just threw 30 touchdowns. But for whatever reason, it's other guys like Goff and Daniel Jones, you know, they're leading off this tier. I, I prefer Gino to most of the people in this tier. And so if I'm drafting somebody in this tier, that's kind of the guy I'm targeting him and Russell Wilson. So I'm, uh, I'm excited about Gino Smith. And I also will say that um, I've been asked why I'm more positive on the Gino deal than the car or the Jones deal. My answer to that is uh, the Russell Wilson trade created a lot of extra rookie draft picks for Seattle. They've yes. already hit big on a couple um and when you're in that position right you know when you're working in the cap environment you have to find a way to create surplus value um out of your workers essentially and you know gino is probably not going to be producing a ton of that himself on this deal he really just needs to have to play to his deal and then seattle has the opportunity to make up for that because they're going to be creating so much surplus value uh, going for these other positions where they get to allocate their rookie picks, right? That's where they can make it back up is that they're getting five, $10 million a piece on several premium rookie picks at other positions because they have more draft picks playing in their lineup than everybody else has because of the Russell Wilson trade. I think that's the case where essentially you can make it like Geno Smith is playing on a rookie contract um, while giving you, you know, pretty solid production and getting that surplus from everybody else. So I, I like what they're doing. I think Seattle has potential to legitimately contend. Uh, I talked about this on the show last night with Drew, but like there's a case that Geno Smith is the third best quarterback in the NFC this year, which is kind of crazy. All the good quarterbacks mm -hmm. are in the AFC. But to me, like the only quarterbacks I'm for sure taking over him in the NFC this year are Dak and Hurts. 
Um, and after that, like from a real life perspective, I'm probably putting Gino third, which is pretty wild to say. It's hard to fake 30 touchdowns. Like it's, it's hard to fake that. Uh, Derek, we're just gonna have to get you on one of these days, man. We, we love you yeah, in the comment seriously. section. Yeah. Can you come uh, on one of these days? Like let us know what Tuesday you're free. Like literally now we'll, we'll book and, and we'll, we'll schedule it live. Uh, it's meant him as a QB two in dynasty and as a bridge QB for Seattle for one to two years. I agree. And I was wrong. That contract is three years at 25 mil a year, according to sport track. Um, that's what I'm reading off right now. Um, he says, got to see where the dead money falls off. I agree. Brock, uh, Gino is your third quarterback. I don't think you should be holding a guy like him as your third quarterback. Again, I think that's wasted value. Ferris. It's kind of a waste to have him as a QB three. Okay. There we go. Uh, on the clock in a rookie draft, I'll trade a pick instead of taking Levis, and he'll trade it for Geno Plus. Again, we always want the plus. Like this is, um, this is what we want to focus on. Uh, Derek says, "Book the day." Give me one minute, and I will. Yeah. Let, let's oh, go fourteenth. Uh, let's the, go the fourteenth. Fourteenth and the twenty-eighth. Free, right? Yeah. There you go. For oh, right. I have to do announcements. Uh, we're gonna do that right away. We're gonna take. Uh, actually, we're gonna take a break. But before we do that, we have two announcements. Look, last year, Jacob, you and I put in our work, and Billy as well. When he landed us uh, the Austin Gale interview, which you should go and watch right now, it's phenomenal. But it's it's guest season for us. Look, we're trying to book Derek Brown right now, live on air. That's how we roll here. But we have our first guests of the off season lined up and i'm very excited we have graham barfield he will be coming on to the show march 21st and after that we have noah hills on april 4th we are already kicking off our uh guest season so i cannot wait for that Derek brown says uh, March 14th, what time? We start at 6 Central Time, baby! So if that works for you, let us know. If it doesn't, we'll make a time work. Derek, we got to get you on here because we love you in the chat. We'd love to have you on uh, because uh, you're phenomenal. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I think we're going to touch on some running backs uh, with the tag, and then I think we're going to try to hit as much of the combine as we can after that. Phenomenal show today. Uh, can't wait. Sit tight. All right, Jacob, it's finally happened. It looks like Ezekiel Elliott is on his way to getting cut, and Tony <laughs> Pollard has been franchise tagged. Now, there's two parts yeah, to this, and I there's two parts I want to get through to this. I want, I'm going to start with we're going to go at a peak, right? We're gonna we're going to go at a peak. So, Tony Pollard works his way from a low draft pick, right? Get works his way onto the field, makes himself completely uh, immovable. They need to get him on there. Okay, awesome. They franchise tag him. That is a big deal. The Cowboys view Tony Pollard the same way that the New York Giants view Saquon Barkley. If you look at it that yeah. way, it sounds really good. Obviously, Tony Pollard was fucking phenomenal, right? He was amazing yeah. last season. So it looks like there's actually a path to him being the Cowboys RB1. We love that. However, I've seen multiple reports that uh, there's no way Bijan Robinson slides past the Cowboys if he's there in the first round. Yeah, ex everyone's drafting Bijan, but I gotta ask it, right? It's an it's an important part of the offseason. Zero percent chance. You think a zero percent? Zero percent chance. I mean, even if they cut Zeke, they're still having to pay him like ten million dollars anyway. They're now paying Pollard ten million dollars. Like you're gonna pay twenty million dollars to running backs 
and draft another one in the first round. It's not reasonable. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's not reasonable. It's people, the Cowboys. Just, people, people like people love the narrative of Jerry Jones like being that much of a goof. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, they, you can even Stephen Jones's answer like he couldn't have come any closer to outright saying we're not drafting a running back in round one. Like he was like. Round one picks are an incredible opportunity to land a cornerstone for 10 years and the running back position just can't play 10 years in the NFL anymore, very likely. And people are like, yeah, I don't, I'm going to ignore that. Um, they're drafting Bijan. Like, it's not going to happen. I think that's phenomenal. I think part of it is because they're just, because they're just sick of Jerry Jones's shit. And a lot of people like yeah. to just attach things like he went to Texas, Dallas is in Texas. Uh, I think it's just really easy dots for people to well, connect. Well, to be fair, but- like, he has, he's literally basically done that with Arkansas packs before when he just drafted Felix Jones in the first round for like no freaking reason. Um, mm-hmm. cause he went to his, uh, he went to his school. So I wouldn't put it past him, but, um, I think it's more likely that they draft Roshan if you're going to connect the Texas yeah, running back that's, this to is Dallas. The big thing. It's like, so I think like as a Pollard fan and as a heavily invested Pollard manager, um, like, I am absolutely, uh, absolutely, absolutely rooting for Zeke to stay personally. Like I, I just, I mean, we've like watched Zeke the last couple of years. Like he can still do a couple of things, but it's, it, he's running on fumes. Like I'm personal because they're not just going to have Pollard and Malik Davis. I don't think. Right. So if they let Zeke go, then they're probably going to draft somebody. I don't think it's going to be Bijan Robinson, but it could be, you know, Roshan Johnson, Tank Bigsby, Zach Evans, Kendra Miller, insert the the name, right? Uh, and I'd way rather have Pollard compete with Zeke than somebody with actual juice, personally. So I'm, I say stay, Zeke, stay. Uh, that's central time, Derek, well, by the way. His ADP will be higher. His ADP will be higher if, uh, if, if they do that with a rookie versus Zeke because people are still afraid of Zeke. I agree. seems like a waste of resources taking RB in the first. I mean, I think everyone says that all the time. Uh, I think it's undeniable at this point. Uh, Why not just get a bigger back to compliment Paul late in the draft? I agree. And that's, that's, that's what we had mentioned. Uh, Kevin has asked, are you expecting all 31 teams with the first to maintain that rational perspective? No, absolutely not. Cause there's always some team, right? There's already, uh, there's already some team and Derek Brown is in. Book it. Our third Wait. guest that we are announcing yeah. for the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast. Booking guest live coming. on air. That's how we roll. Ah. We're, we're wild like that. We got you, man. Can't wait. Excited. We will talk uh, post-show. Uh, I think you're right. I think the fantasy expectation as well. I, I think also, now that I can collect my thought here, I think that we want him to go up against Zeke more than some young running back anyway because we know what Zeke isn't, and that's a feature right. guy. So I think with a young drafted guy, I think there's always an opportunity for them to show out and earn more touches. I think they know what Zeke is. So I kind of think we know, I don't like a lot of disruption and I think we have an established rotation that we like uh, with it looking like Pollard would get even more. So I also agree. I want Zeke to stay in Dallas. Last one uh, I want to mention for running backs. We, I think Barkley I think you just buy and you know what he is. We think he's great. He's in a great situation. He's going to catch a ton of passes, get a ton of targets. Barkley is Barkley. I don't really want to go too deep into Barkley. However, phrasing, yeah. Josh Jacobs is interesting to me. Yeah. Um, no car, so he's gone. So we know that they're going to bring a quarterback in. Uh, 
what's your stance on Josh Jacobs now? Because he was that fifth, yeah. sixth round pick. Uh, he's kind of still sitting there right now in startups. I'm go- I'll ask it in this phrase. Buy, sell, hold. Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I'm going to not say sell. I'm not sure if I'm all the way to buy. I don't know. Probably somewhere between hold and buy. Um, like he's he's still just at the border of the top 10 running backs and keep trade cut right now. And I've drafted him mm-hmm. as late as the 501 in a recent startup. So I'm pretty interested in him. Like, five hundred one. What seems I like about Jacobs, that I mean, I I draft him. He's I'd have him ranked higher than that. I mean, I think with Jacobs, like, I mean, he just obviously has an elite ceiling. He just demonstrated it last year. So twenty points per game is entirely within his range of outcomes. Um, what I like about Jacobs compared to some of the other running backs in what I think is a tier is like you're getting you're having to draft Ken Walker and and, and Travis Etienne and some of those guys, Eckler, Barkley, in the same range that you're seeing kind of the last of that top tier of wide receivers go. So like you're usually having to choose to draft Etienne or Walker over Devonta Smith, Chris Olave, Drake London, DK Metcalf, that group of wide receiver. Whereas like once you're past that group of wide receiver, to me, it really falls off a cliff and you're mm-hmm. able to get Jacobs versus wide receivers sometimes not in every draft, but at least where I've been able to draft them is you're then getting him closer to wide receivers like Traylon Burks, Christian Watson, um, Chris Godwin, Jamison Williams, DJ Moore, Jerry Judy, guys who are either, I think more projections or unlikely to produce an elite ceiling. And I'm willing to just take the shot on, on buying the elite production there. Like I think you're sometimes even able to get Jacobs later than guys like a Devonte Adams. So I'm, I'm, I'm more likely to buy than sell. Um, but it would probably depend on the spot. Like I've bought Jacobs more. I haven't sold any Jacobs. I've drafted him once at a startup. I've traded for him once. So I guess I'm a buy. I like that. I think you're fine. I think I agree with Derek when he's screaming sell in the chat. He says last year's volume plus the tag scares the hell out of me. Here's the problem though. And I'll say this with Derek. We have Brock who says it's a hold. I love the action in the chat tonight. I just, mm. I just absolutely love it. He says, "Wait for Mondre." You go on breaks because... more. The check it, spicy when they have when they've been weaned off for a while. <laughs> yeah, we we took it away and now they've been fiending. We love it. We love all you guys. We really appreciate it. Truly, um, I, I'm, I'm gonna be a sell. And what scares me about that sense is I've said it for three years, and it seems like every time. We, I think Josh Jacobs has had the same thing said about him for the last three years. Uh, he he can't do this. He can't do that. He can't do this. But he just does it every single time. And the Raiders just stay raidering, and he keeps producing. He is one of the – I'll give Josh Jacobs credit for this. He's one of the actual few bell cow-esque running backs. For better or worse, he is. I mean, it's just factual. The guy's workload is crazy every single season. And they just keep bringing in Jabroni after Jabroni after Jabroni to compete. And every year people are hyped for this backup. Uh, hyped for that. Zamir White. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm trying to remember his name. The pass catcher you absolutely love. Oh, my goodness. Um, Amir Abdullah? That's the one. Jalen yeah. Rashard? Yeah, too, 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 too many. And they just fail to take anything away. I think what you're getting, I think if you have him already, there's no point in selling because I don't think his value is going to be high. 
Uh, I said, I, he says, I take a 24 one and some change. I would too. I just don't think you're going to get that because this time of year in dynasty, yeah. no one's buying running backs. I you think can get a 24 one and some change. I'll give it to you. Yeah. I, wait, I, can, give, I can give a 24 one and some change. Like, so what's, what's change? Is that a third round pick? I'll give you a 24 one and a third round pick in any dynasty league. I don't think it'd be hard to get that for Josh Jacobs. I'm not, I'm not exactly like a bad running back buyer guy. I'll do that across the board. I, Interesting. I think people, people, I, I would, people should care about points a little bit more, in my opinion. Interesting. You don't think that you like Josh Jacobs is essentially feels like a rental, and you're not worried about a trading. Rental? Why is he rental? He's 25 years old. 25 years old, extensive workload on a franchise tag. You don't think that's cons- like just in a, in the history of running backs in his position. How many from this point on proceed to have elongated stints with high value? I don't think there's that. Yeah, many. I mean he's on a year, but he's on a year to year basis like any running back is. But I, I don't consider him like a rental. Like I, he's, I don't think he's like Derrick Henry level. Like you know, uh, on the verge of death. Uh, I think he's still going to have quite a, a long NFL career. How long he's going to have that elite ceiling? I don't know. He if he repeats anything close to last year, if he has if he, if he has 18 points per game this year. And then retires from football. I'd spit a twenty-four-one on it. Interesting. Okay. See, we disagree with that, and I just think, uh, I, interesting. I really think that's interesting. I'm gonna have to think about that. We're gonna have to have a a separate individual section. Just I mean, on there's Josh just not Jacobs. that much. There's just not that many players who score that many points. Like, I mean, you know, there's no guarantee that Jacobs is going to. Right? He can regress. He get hurt. Do anything like I, you know, I'm, um. I've seen like on the other side, I was on David Gautieri's pod and he's a little higher on Jacobs even than I am. Um, you know, I, I think that we shouldn't just accept that last year is the new norm, right? We have a longer sample on Josh Jacobs not doing that. Right? I don't think we should just accept that that's what he's going to do. But like most of the wide receivers, like Derek saying, I'd rather convert Jacobs to a wide receiver. Most of the wide receivers around Josh Jacobs are not going to score as many points as Josh Jacobs in most circumstances next year. Like, I, I get that we can bank value on a lot of 14 point per game wide receivers, 15 point per game wide receivers, but what's that worth? 0.7 wins over replacement, right? Like I, I want to actually get production. Like I, I mean, Derek's in dynasty running back landscape. I agree with you, Derek, because I never would have been advocating buying high priced veteran running backs before. And this year I'm totally fine buying some of the high priced veteran running backs for because, because of the opportunity cost, right? The opportunity cost for buying, High-priced veteran running backs used to be either high-priced veteran wide receivers or really high upside rookie year two wide receivers. But the best of the year two wide receivers and the best of the veteran wide receivers are currently being priced ahead of Jacobs in most cases. If they're not in your case, I would not give one of those up for Jacobs. But like, if I can just give up a guy who's unlikely to be a difference maker and the main reason I find them attractive is because they're going to last longer, I'm fine with that, honestly. I'll give up the longevity for the premium production. Absolutely, I will. Interesting. So let me ask you a couple of questions then. Uh, let me just give you a couple of players. You tell me if you are t- if you would take uh, Josh Jacobs or that player. Okay, let's go uh, Josh Jacobs yeah. or Najee Harris. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs or Devontae Adams? I'll take Adams. Okay, interesting. Josh Jacobs or Javante Williams? Josh Jacobs. Jacobs or Stevenson? Jacobs. Jacobs or Christian Watson? I'll take Josh Jacobs. 
Okay. Josh Jacobs or DeAndre Swift? Definitely Jacobs. Okay. Now, that's interesting because if I were to go and and sign up to the Bulletproof uh, Patreon, get in the Discord, and use the rankings, all those players went after Josh Jacobs, according to the their your guys' ADP. So I find it interesting that the only one there that you took uh, was Devontae Adams. So if yeah. – if that's I, I, like, I like old producers. That's I know you right? do. Like I, so Devontae Adams as a as a guy who has a reasonable chance to score me 20 points per game this year, but he's old. Feed me that, baby. Like, right? The guys I have no interest in are like the Javante Williams. Like, is he gonna play this year? Is, is he gonna be good? I don't know. We're we're wishing upon the youth star. Like, I don't want to wish upon the youth star, but give me a chance to score 20 points per game. Sure, I'll take Devontae Adams over Josh Jacobs. That's fine with me. If you want to take Jacobs over Adams, it's fine with me too. But like these are the guys that are more interesting to me than the, than the guys where they're younger and we're hoping they project more. Like I, yeah, the recent shifts in the fantasy market has pushed me towards being a boomer. Caring about points apparently is the new boomer take. It's fine. I'm a <laughs> what a shift from a year ago uh, on this program. Uh, Kevin, from a war perspective, how much of the value you get from a Jacobs is tied to increased uh, odds of earning a buy? This is a phenomenal a question. A lot of it. Yeah. A lot of it. I mean, this is, I mean, we're getting really micro here to the point where like, I wouldn't bank on this as a like easily actionable strategy point, but a hundred percent, if you can acquire Jacobs now, and if he does have, you know, a really strong season and then he helps you win uh, a lot of games and you've effectively locked up a buy and then you can trade him for that younger value piece that produces less in week 10. Yeah. That's a great idea, right? I mean, you should be able to do that because for sure, a lot, a lot of your, uh, a lot of your win equity comes down to, you know, getting a buy. And so we, we def- definitely should be willing to do that. And oftentimes you're not actually, you're, you're oftentimes you're not actually selling for anything less mid season. Oftentimes you're even selling for more mid season because then people want, want points, right? People remember they see points again. They're like, right points. Yeah. I want those. Um, <laughs> so yeah, totally. I, I mean, that's usually what I'm doing in a lot of dynasty leagues is I'm often buying a lot of gross old producers in the off season. And I'm often selling them at the deadline on good teams, right? Like it's, it seems counterintuitive, but oftentimes, you know, the teams that I'm selling on most sometimes are like my one and two seeds where I know I'm already going to get a buy. And, and now I'm concerned with trying to make sure I have my value secured for the next season. Okay. I, I find that. I find that interesting, and I'm going to take what you have just said, and by next week, uh, I am going to see if I have changed my mind, because that's a very, and that's a hell of a question, Kevin, shout out. Absolutely hell of a question. Uh, We're almost at an hour. We have about 15 to 20 minutes left on the clock, and we have not touched the combine. So I just want to quickly talk about a couple of combine things. Uh, We love the comments and the questions uh, a lot. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, fantastic. Let's talk about some, some rookie stuff because I don't think a lot has changed for me personally. I think, I think one through six is locked in. I think one through six is absolutely 100% locked in. Number one is Bijan. Two will end up being Bryce. And I think there'll be a battle at three and four between Richardson and Stroud. And then after that, I believe it'll be like, take your pick on who you want first, either JSN or Gibbs. 
And and every once in a while, you're going to see a Sharbs or something like that pop in, maybe a, a QJ, something like that. But I think that's the, the top six. I don't think there's as much. Uh, um, oh my god, fogginess as right. as uncertainty was the word I was looking for just now. Jesus well, Christ, uh, as as there might have been. I think that's pretty much a locked in top six. I I mean I think the only thing that really changes it is if Anthony Richardson does not get the draft capital that now we seem to be a lot more confident he'll get. That that would definitely change it. Otherwise, yeah. I do think that's a six. The order. I have no idea what the order is going to be entire. To be honest, I know Bijan's going to be one for most people. There's some absolute yeah. jabronis that are trying to float these takes of other people to take over Bijan. I'm not even engage with that nonsense. You don't but, think AR gets a shot at top five, top ten draft capital? I don't care. Don't man, this is the first overall shot? pick. I'm taking Bijan Robinson at the 101. Interesting. Can I ask you a question on, then directly before? Can I yeah. ask you a question directly? Uh, me. Me and uh, Anthony, or not Anthony, oh my God, Andy, Andy Starr, the Full Tilt Devi podcast, we're having yeah. an argument about Bijan Robinson being a guarantee. He said there's no way Bijan Robinson does not carry top two startup, uh, oh my God, top two round startup value for five years. You think that that is just locked in? He's oh, Christian McCaffrey level. I'm not, I'm not going to guarantee anything from a five-year basis. I mean, that's just... You're just asking for trouble if you're trying to guarantee yeah. anything that's going to happen in 2027. So I'm not going to uh, do that, that's for sure. I, tr- I tried getting I'll, clickbait. I'll say this. I tried getting clickbait I mean, material to, from you and you didn't bite. To the extent that anything is a guarantee, which is not an extent, but like whatever is the closest thing to a guarantee, it's it's Bijan, right? I mean, we're we have a really high hit rate on good profile running backs, and he has you know an exceptional profile with early draft capital because you almost can't fail. It's like, even if he's not as good as we think he is, which is unlikely, right? There's no reason to believe he's not as good as we think he is. But there's always a world where he sucks. Right. There is, there is a world where we're way wrong on any prospect, no matter how certain the difference is, is if we're way wrong on Bryce young or CJ Stroud, like then they just suck. But if we're, if we're wrong on Bijan, then okay, well he's still like Najee Harris, right? Like they're still just gonna give him a bunch of touches anyway, and he'll probably be fine. So you have a really safe floor with that. I mean, fuck, even Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who was obviously nowhere near the caliber of prospect as as Bijan Robinson. I mean, he was still commanding like top three, top four round startup value coming off of his rookie season. Um, you know, he was still going at the back end of round two in redraft coming off of his rookie season. Yeah. And he was had nowhere near the prospect. Uh, installation of Bijan Robinson, right? Nowhere close to it. Yeah, B-Dub was bringing up, weren't we all convinced about Clyde? No, we weren't. Right? I mean, Clyde, we were convinced about as a good prospect in a great landing spot. Right. I mean, Bijan Robinson was like- is, a, is, a, is a fantastic prospect in a, we'll see what the landing spot is. But, so I, I don't think that they're they're entirely comparable in that way. It's And also, what did happen to Clyde was really surprising. Like, like that wasn't the most likely outcome uh, is, is what happened. I think that, I think the people of done a lot of revisionist history on Clyde having been an overdrafted prospect history. to then being like, what happened was always going to happen. But that was not the case. Like the most likely outcome was probably that, yeah, looking back, we did draft Clyde too high. It's still very surprising that he totally busted the way that he did. Um, either way, I don't think that should have any sway over how we feel about Bichon. So is it a guarantee? No, but like, again, I, I think that's, that's important. 
Um, I, I mean, just for, thought I'd try to get some clicks. He's all toward ACL, and he's still like the RB2. Yeah, it's crazy. Not, I mean, that's not crazy. I mean, Brees Hall's a phenomenal player. It just, right. I, I had to try. I had to try. Value insulation, right? I mean, that's that's that is value yeah. insulation right there. Every once in a while, I gotta try to slip into clickbait so I can get but, like something from you. But let, I, I think you're right. I think the order is gonna be is the draft at the start. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be one of those years. And I, I mean, Derek says Stroud should be the one o two. I think I think you're right. I think it's just going to be pick your quarterback, choose your fighter, Mortal Kombat style between the three quarterbacks, JSN. And so let's talk about after that. Let's talk about after that. Uh, Ali, yeah. I think I'm reading that right. Ali, I think the move is to trade down. I think it's getting harder and harder to trade down. I don't think that's the move uh, to trade down at all. Okay. Is this uh, from 101 I, or from 102? From 101. Uh, yeah, I think I want to be clear with that. I think that is not the move. To trade down from 101. I think that I mean, if you're going to trade the 101, I think you should trade across, not not down. Um, the only circumstance in which I would recommend trading down, as in you get a later first round pick in this draft plus other stuff, is if you have a, a horrible team, like you took over an orphan or you made some mistakes or whatever else, and you just can't afford to have so much value invested in one asset. But this needs to be like, like a awful team. Like this needs to be like, you go to your power rankings, you are 12 out of 12 on the power rankings. Otherwise, do not do that. Uh, I'm not saying you don't trade the 101. I'm totally fine with trading the 101, but if I'm trading the 101, it's for top 10 quarterback. That's it. It's, and it's not, right? And it's not for, I'm going to take Bryce. Or I'm going to take AR. It's, you're trading it for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson or, or whatever else, right? And you, you want to shift that value from running back to quarterback? Okay, I'm, I'm down with that action. But there are not that right. many assets, right? There, there are not that many assets that carry that kind of value, and they're really hard to acquire. And a lot of times, even what their price is to acquire, i.e., mm-hmm. you know, what their keep trade cut says you should be able to trade for them, or what the – even if you use real-life trade data, okay? Tangent time, I apologize. Do it, do it. Even I love look it. At, even if you look at a trade scrub like app or whatever else that shows actual trades that happen, what people I think forget to recognize, and I wrote about this in my most recent Substack post, is that that's actually not the average cost of acquisition of these players. That is the average cost of acquisition from managers who are willing to trade them, right? Yes. So essentially, that's the average of the cheapest cost to acquire, right? Because that doesn't include the other 95% of leagues where either the Lamar Jackson owner says not available for anything, or it says, okay, it's available, but you're going to have to pay me market price plus a first or market price plus two firsts, whatever, right? So yeah. the actual average of trades for Lamar Jackson just show you the average of cost to acquire from the managers most willing to sell Lamar Jackson. And I think that yep. that gets conflated. So when you land the 101, you are gifted an entry into the hollow halls of round one startup value. And, and I think it would be a poor decision to trade it for assets that don't carry that same buying power. Uh, so I, I agree. Yep. I agree. I, I think even for teams, I know we had talked about, even for teams that have the one one and you're a true one one like you were just the worst. I still think you're right. I think you're doing your team a disservice in total value by just shifting them off because you need to acquire quote more assets uh, because you can attain more assets with Bijan 
after the rookie draft. And I think that that's something that also uh, gets forgotten about. Uh, we, I'm trying to catch up to the chat here. Uh, you guys are going crazy. We love you. Uh, 103 and a 24-1. Again, we're sticking with that 101. I think we can just summarize that purely by just stating, if you're not getting a quarterback that's going in the first round of startups, then hold your 101. I think that that's just flat line across the board, mm -hmm. the fastest way uh, we can uh, sum it up. This has been uh, a crazy day. I want to talk about <clears throat> a couple more players here. But 101 is great, but there's way more to this draft than, say, the 101. So we agree that the one kind of 101 to 106, the players have been sorted. We kind of know who they are. Now we're leaving out a Will Levis. We are leaving out uh, a player that um, I'm not sure how to quantify his value. So I want to ask you, this has got brought up in a couple of leagues and I know that you have already been in the prospect spreadsheets, uh, working some stuff out. So I want to talk to you about Zay flowers. Yeah. Zay flowers is a player who people either love or they do not. I don't think there's a real middle ground. He is a very unique player that does not have a ton of comps with his later breakout age. He's kind of an older wide receiver uh, his size is not a prototype NFL wide receiver size. I don't know how to value Zay Flowers. So if you're sitting there at the 108, 109, and the 110, and you're some sort of lunatic already out there doing rookie drafts, when does Zay Flowers become appealing to you in your process right now? Because for people listening, oh, there are people already – whether yeah, even with even with startups and you're drafting rookies or you're already in rookie drafts, at what point does he start to become interesting at all? For um, for the record, I had no idea I was going to get a Zay Flowers question, so I'm not nope. prepared for this answer. This is why um, this is why I wanted to ask. I, yeah, I mean, I've I've been like for anyone curious, like I I've been digging in a lot into the running backs. Um, not really much the wide receivers, so my I, I will plead some ignorance with regard to Zay Flowers, but mm -hmm. um, I just his profile is kind of like tank. a kind of like a his profile looks like someone hit Jahan Dotson with a shrink ray, basically. Um, that, oh wow, that, I just I just said that right, and, and I didn't even say that Derek had already uh, said that ten, ten seconds ago. But basically, he's shrink ray Jahan Dotson, where it's like you have a a smaller, but even smaller, um, senior declare guy, uh, you know has but he's productive, right? It's a late breakout, but he has production. It's not like he's a, he's a total like zero in the production department. I think that the issue is it's like, that's tends to not be a super high ceiling profile, but I don't think it would be surprising if he's a good player and he's already getting talked into uh, first round draft capital. So I, I'm interested. I think that I like Josh Downs's profile a little more, but it seems the NFL likes flowers a little more. Uh, I also like Marvin Mims's profile a little more, but it certainly seems like the NFL likes Flowers a little more. So we'll see. I'm, uh, I, I think probably Flowers is going to be that guy, you know, kind of in the early two where, you know, you're kind of deciding, am I going to swing for the fences on this running back who went round four and might be a workhorse and might suck? Or am I going to take, you know, flowers who is perceived as more of a safer bet to be something but you know might not be that guy who's is going to be exploding for you i think that that's kind of where i foresee flowers kind of like how i think people were having that discussion about Jahan dotson versus a rashad white or a damian pierce this year um 
So we'll, we'll see where that goes. I'm not sure he's going to be a guy who's going to be a target for me, but I, I don't think he like sucks or anything. Um, I think sometimes, sometimes like people on fantasy Twitter, especially analytics, Twitter, and, and even more so like people who want to follow analytics, Twitter, um, have a tendency to like want to pick somebody as a punching bag every year. Yes. And last year that was kind of Dotson. And this is, this year might be flowers. And it's like, Dotson was a fine prospect. Dubs. He wasn't, One he wasn't like a great prospect, but he was like a fine prospect. And that's kind of, how I feel about flowers. Um, you know, he, it, it's like, he's not, I think people are going to try to make him out to be this. Oh my God, the NFL, they overdrafted this guy, but it's like, he's not a bum. Um, he has a solid profile, really dynamic. So. We'll, we'll see. It'll be kind of dependent on how the market treats him. I like this take here. Take the RBs where Flowers is going. Take Mims, Tillman, etc. later. See, I picture him ending up right in that Rondell Moore uh, kind of phase in the second round of rookie drafts where you're right. You're battling running backs in that stage of the draft, and I, I agree very much with this take. I think he's probably going to wind up somewhere in that 202 to 204 range. But again, draft capital is going to change everything real quick before we get out of here. Cause I know we're, we're, we're getting close running backs. Uh, we're not quite sure where they're going to end up, but there are a couple chase Brown and Evan Hull are yeah. two players that I, I know I'm going to absolutely fall in love with. Uh, Derek said he was staying for the Evan Hull discussion. <laughs> oh, so, good time. He's here. So hope he didn't leave. How are how interested are you with Evan Hall? Like, where is your are you yeah. have you fallen in love already? I know there are people that have already gone head over heels. <laughs> I've been in love. Evan Hall's I'm a C2COG with Evan Hall. Um I love that. He's been on my it's... campus to can team for, for over a year. Um so I'm an OG I'll, I'll with Evan it, Hall. I'll actually phrase it like this because there's a lot of listeners that don't do a lot of C2C and they do a lot of Devi or don't do a lot of Devi, even right. though we're trying, we're trying to get them in and yeah. maybe they're not as in tune with the rookies yes, at this right. point as maybe you will. <laughs> uh, so sell Evan somebody on, Ev- on Evan Hall right now. So Evan Hall is going to go on day three. Um, uh, most likely, I think people should, okay. should get comfortable with that notion. Um, Lance Zerline tends to grade running backs in a way that is usually pretty reflective of draft capital. Um, so far I have profiles, uh, in my database on, on 20 running backs in this class. And of those 20, Evan Hall has by far the lowest film grade from, from our boy Lance is at a 5.69. The next lowest in, in, of the running backs that I have charted is, uh, tie on Evans at 5.82. So, um, our boy Lance is a hater. Um, but that, that usually tends to be pretty, pretty indicative of how NFL teams feel. He, he tends to not be that far out from NFL consensus. So I, I expect Evan Hall to be a, a day three pick. That being said, like he has the exact profile of guys that we want to be drafting from day three, because he has that. I don't need to take you off the field profile. He has adequate size, uh, which is, I was really happy to see. Comes in 5'10", 209. He has solid speed. Runs a 4'4'7", 80th percentile oh, burst score. And then here's, here's the really phenomenal. fun stuff. Here's the really fun stuff, right? Market share rush yards over 60%. That's exceptional. He has a market share receiving yards of 21.6%. That's only behind Deuce Vaughn in this class. That's actually ahead of Jameer Gibbs. Um, I, I've called him C2C, CNC this year. Oh. Um, <laughs> so... I think the issue is like, you know, 
to me, I was really concerned about his size and athleticism. Like I thought he just might be kind of like a Danny Woodhead type. Um, right. But he showed off legitimate size, some actual juice. So, you know, I think he's going to be the guy where, you know, he's going to go to a team on day three, going to be a reserve back. And he's probably going to need an injury, but he's the guy where, you know, he can, he can fill in absolutely when somebody goes down and he can fill in in a way that he's not coming off the field. Coaches can trust him out there in pass protection. Coaches can trust him in passing situations as a receiver. Coaches can feed him a legitimate workload. And so I'm, I'm, I'm all in on him for, for cheap. Um, I hope that the whole truth or hive doesn't get so big that like, we're going to jump the shark for a guy who's probably going to be a day three pick, but uh, he's a guy like every round three of my rookie drafts. I want to be clicking Evan Hall as much as possible. Uh, the way you're describing him and the way I feel like Twitter and dynasty communities tend to gravitate and love on a player to the point it raises their ADP. I think we could be looking at a late second. Uh, if what's the cap for you Two eight right now? Well, it depends Two, on who nine. Goes the draft. I mean, right. look, if I'm, if I'm, like if the NFL surprises me and like some NFL team takes him in round three, then there's like no difference between him and like the Rashad white profile from last year. His profile is actually probably better. That's um, what I was going to ask. Do you think he has a Damien? Do you think he has a Damien so, Pierce range of outcomes is where it was? I think it just comes. I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm not capped on Evan Hall. It's just with draft capital. Like if you're telling me he's a round six pick and people are going to draft him in round two of rookie drafts, then no, that's silliness. Like we just, we shouldn't ever be that confident in our ability to out evaluate the NFL and in particular right. our ability to project opportunity for day three picks. But like, what up, JYB? in terms of what, right. In terms of or like JWB? what kind of profile are we trying to chase um, in rookie drafts, late in rookie drafts? Like that's absolutely the profile we should be trying to chase. So um, I won't cap it. I'll, I'll just say like, if, if he's a day three pick, I'm drafting him in round three um, or, or later if he somehow becomes a day two pick, that would stun me, but I would be absolutely thrilled in the ADP kind of wherever he goes. I love that man. Uh, fucking phenomenal. Hey, we, what a show like chat. You guys kept us working all show. We love you for it. I know Jacob has to take off. He has to get to and do, you know, all that school work and whatnot that really smart people have to do. Um, so Jacob, before we get out of here, you launched something pretty freaking incredible. And if you look at the fact that we've been doing this show for three years and this is where we're at, I, I could tell you that I didn't picture it and I'm so very adamantly proud of where you've gotten to. Let the people know what you released if they haven't already. And I, I mean it, man, like honestly. Appreciate that, man. Um, yeah, I launched a Substack just last week. Uh, three posts up already. Uh, and you can find that. It's Jacob Sanderson substack.com the substack's called thinking about thinking you can find the link right at the top of my twitter um most of the next couple months is going to be posting general market principles and strategy for dynasty that's going to be really the approach of the project is going to be applying a lot of the market principles game theory principles that i talk about all the time applying that to fantasy football mostly to dynasty but i'll probably talk some stuff about best ball too maybe some stuff about dfs we'll see um and then I also, you know, get to write whatever I want sometimes. So, for instance, on Saturday, <laughs> I, I watched Anthony Richardson, and I was like, oh, I'm going to write, you know, about him, and then I'm going to press publish. And then it goes out right away to all my subs, and that's fun when we get the chance to do that. So, yeah, uh, if you want a little taste, uh, you can at least be a free subscriber. Uh, the Anthony Richardson post that I made is free. 
you'll get to at least see like the first, I don't know, 30% of, of, of uh, subscriber articles. Um, just get a taste of if it's going to be something for you. Otherwise, $7.99 a month, $50 annually. Um, and I hope to see some folks sub. Uh, that'll be exclusively where I'm writing about fantasy football this year. Um, and I'm really excited to launch the project and share that with you guys. So takes a lot of courage to do something like that, man. And, and honestly, can't wait. I mean, obviously, I subbed immediately. I'm already up to date, uh, naturally, and you all should too. Not only should you do that, but you should head over to Underdog. Use promo code FULLTELT. They'll deposit match you up to $100. It is best ball season, and boy, do I have something fun to announce tomorrow. Can't wait to get into that. Can't say it now, but uh, pretty cool, pretty excited uh, for me personally. And, of course, Trophy Smack, where you can win a ton of great stuff. Get a free championship ring like this bad boy with your purchase of a trophy and or a championship belt. Put in promo code full tilt, F-U-L-L-T-I-L-T, and they will get you that for free. Like I said, the championship belt is on its way for giveaway. At 500 subs on the YouTubes, we will be giving away a championship belt from Trophy Smack. And of course, we have the, the rookie countdown coming up. We have, as I mentioned, Graham Barfield, Derek Brown, Noah Hills over the next three weeks. Big Billy FF will be coming back at some point when his PhD work is finally done. That man is working his tail off. I'm proud of everything we've accomplished so far. This year is going to be fucking crazy. Cannot wait. Of course, my final thought of the night is always this. Dynasty Fantasy Football, our time is now. This is our time now. I cannot wait to keep it moving. Of course, I want to remind everyone that clear eyes and full hearts can never lose in your best days. Well, goddamn, they're always spent tilting. Good night, everybody. We back!